Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 What's that? Really pleased to welcome John Savage to our podcast room, and we're going to talk about his new compilation, 1967, The Year Pop Divided, um, and lots of other things. So, welcome, John. Hello, Nigel. Very <laughs> glad to be here. Good. Um, so, where should we start then? You've been looking around the shop. Um, let's see what you've pulled out then. Well, what I decided to do is just pull out records because 12 inch vinyl, because I can't be asked to go through the CD racks, and the 12 inches still look great. And it's interesting that vinyl sales are going up. And one of the reasons are they just look fabulous. And I'm looking at a picture of, of Dusty in Memphis right now because I wanted to talk about Dusty in general. She was a major revelation when I was doing the 1966 book. I never really tuned into her before. Um, and I was just amazed at what an artist she is. Um, and 66, I knew about her because she had the singles, um, particularly Little by Little, which is a big favorite of mine. But also she had the smash hit with You Don't Have to Say You Love Me. And she's just a sort of fascinating person. Um, I met her, I actually met her in 1995. I interviewed her um, around the time that she did um, with the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. What have we done? To, what have I done to deserve this? And she was a very, very nice person, very nervous. Um, but what I do remember was that... Um, I was telling her a story I just heard about Bross, who were going bonkers because they'd had their huge pop success and they were in the crazy stage. And I heard this wonderful story that the singer got room service, meat and two veg, had his own blender and licked by the side, stuck all the plate <laughs> into the blender, liquidized it all, and then drank the resulting gloop. And I was laughing about this and to Dusty and Vicky Wickham, and Dusty said, oh... That sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> but you must, you must have liked In Memphis when it came out. Though, I did, did yes, I did. I just think it's a wonderful record. It's got, well, but just, I particularly like Breakfast in Bed. And I've always liked, as a song, The Windmills of Your Mind. Um, and I know it's not very fashionable. But I just like its sort of spooky vibe, really. Yeah. And Dusty, of course, was a huge gay favourite in the 60s. Um, before he died, I got a, um, a um, Peter Burton did me a list of all the records he used to play in, in La Douce, which is the first kind of mod gay club, mm. which started in 67. And it's basically a third of it's dusty and the rest of it's Motown. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, you know, I was in love with these stuff from 65 and 67. I remember her on Ready, Steady, Go in, in 63. And she just looked so extraordinary with the makeup and the, and the, and also she was very quick witted. She'd introduce shows and she was easily on the level with the guys. Yeah. And that I think was a very important statement. Much more than say, you know, the other female singers at the time, Scylla and Sandy. Um, Dusty was much more of a musician and much more in charge of her music. So in a way, she was a kind of pop auteur mm. and deserves to be recognised as such. And I think. Um, you know, as time goes on, she becomes a greater and greater figure, really. Yeah. So which track are we going to play from this, then? Uh, let's play Breakfast in Bed. Breakfast in Bed. 
Breakfast in Bed by Dusty Springfield from Dusty in Memphis, an amazing album. It still sounds great now. And on a, uh, it's just been repressed in this country as well, which is a really good thing. Well, it's great to see all this vinyl. It, yeah. do, it does really look fabulous. Um, and I do like records. I mean, I, I think that formats are horses for courses. Um, you know, I, I use CD, I use vinyl, I use um, MP3, and it just depends on mm. what you want, yeah. really. Um, and sometimes you don't want to be getting up every 20 minutes. No, I agree completely. I mean, I think your new compilation was it two CDs and it's 48 tracks. Yeah. And I just think that's fantastic. I mean, so, you know, I don't want to sound old fashioned, but sometimes, you know, CDs are really good for certain things. CDs are brilliant. Yeah. And in fact, they're much, I think they're much underappreciated. There mm. are problems with them. Mm. I once delineated everything that could go wrong with the CD cover. Okay, let's do it, actually, because it's quite fun. <laughs> so these bits here, holding oh, God, it yeah. together, they can snap. Yeah. And then this breaks, and yeah. then you can't get the, you can't get this out. Yeah. And then yeah. these things that hold the CD in, they break. <laughs> yeah, the teeth. And then, uh, I mean, there's yeah. literally about 10 or 20 things that can go wrong with this package. They're not particularly attractive packages, I think, although I think that actually they can be made attractive. And yeah. I like the fact <laughs> that I think this is a very nice one as it happens. And I like the fact you can see, you know, you've got yeah. all, you can see all sorts of detail. Yeah. But they are a fantastic way of storing music. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think I'm with you completely. It's not about format. It's just about, you know, yeah, horses for courses. And they are better know. quality than MP3s, yeah. and you have the physical object, and you're not clustering up your room with vinyl. Have you ever tried to? Well, you have. I know. I, I have too. Has, you know, just think anybody of having to move loads of vinyl. Oh, God, yeah. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Exactly. It's it heavy. breaks your back. Yes. So, um,. So, yeah, I'm very, and um, I did 66 with, 1966 with Ace. We all yeah. had a good time. And we decided to do 67. And it's, um, it's very much, what it is is a sort of simulation 
of what I would have, enhancement really, of what I would have heard on Radio Caroline South. So you have a mixture of kind of West Coast, you have a mixture of mainstream British soul pop, mainstream British pop, a bit of, you know, a bit of soul, a bit of Motown, start of funk, and all that was what I heard at the time. And I always got rather irritated later on when people put music into genres, you can only like soul, or you can only like rock, and it's really annoying because... It's not the way it works for me. No, probably not the way it works for most people. Either. And it isn't for rough trade either. I mean, we've no. always been about you know selling music in its good or its bad, and that's it. You know, you don't. I've always we've never been an indie shop or a dance shop or a you know a, we just sell music. Well, in a way, it's an expression of a personal taste because yeah. what I have done is that I've mentioned in the sleeve notes, and I mean I love arguing about pop music anyway because it's fun. And in the end, nobody's right, although I am really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, um, you know, I made a very quite pointed sleeve notes about the dreadfulness of Engelbert Humperdinck and how the British charts and about almost exactly 50 years ago were dreadful because you had Release Me by Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah. You had two versions of This Is My Song. And then you had Edelweiss and you had just, it was just beyond awful. And somebody said to me yesterday, well, don't you think Engelbert was good, John? <laughs> no. <laughs> but don't you think the charts have often been like that? I can remember when I was a kid and, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody was number one for like six weeks or 12 weeks, whatever it was. It's awful. But there's, you know, you look at the charts in the punk time, there's so much rubbish in there. I quite like Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, there's something kind of, I've got a sneaking liking for about four Queen records. I know one shouldn't really, but I do. I do really, really like another one bites the dust because of that riff. Yes. It's the most amazing riff. It is a really great riff, and it got ripped. I mean, if Grandmaster, if it's good enough for Grandmaster Flash, yes. it's good enough for me. Yeah, so, I prefer it in his record. Than um, it is. But um, yeah, and but I think in the mid '60s, the charts were better, and then suddenly in '67, it started to go tits up because you started to get. What you had with the Beatles was this idea of a single pop culture that everything could be funneled into the charts. Mm. And then you start to have the rise of the LP, you start to have the rise of the underground, which is something different from pop. You have the mums and dads records coming through. And so suddenly you have a chart, not that rubs well together, but is a whole load of warring opposites. And it's very obvious that it is. Um, And again, you know, I've just done an interview... um, and I was slagging off ABBA because in 1976 and 77, ABBA were the enemy. Yeah. Uh, stiffos liked ABBA. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, people are telling me that ABBA are great. And I could say, okay, I like a couple of tunes. But you know what? They're the, they were the enemy back then. And um, it's fun to kind of, you know, and I don't get the love, you know, the people saying now. There's a lot of revisionism. People now say, oh, the Carpenters were so great. No, they weren't. Yeah, they were terrible. Yeah, they were awful. Yeah. Um, and I like a couple of ABBA tunes, but at the time when you had punk rock and p- the start of what was later called post-punk, I didn't want ABBA. No, exactly. And I remember at the time, you know, Fleetwood Mac, I could not bear them. But I, I Feel Love, oh, yes. <laughs> and that was the start. That was a big thing for me, which is that in Autumn 77, we'll get on to a bit anyway, yeah. suddenly you had this idea that electronic music could be the future mm-hmm. with magic, um, space, magic fly. Yeah. And I Feel Love. And Bowie, obviously, and, yeah. you know. and that was very exciting to me because that record yeah. is just, I think, one of the best records of the 20th century. It's just unarguable. So what yeah. have you got so, here? Yeah. You haven't got the Neil Young LP that I want, which is the first one, 
Um, and I love the first Neil Young LP. And it's a, the first Neil Young LP is a very good example of not trusting what musicians say about their records because it's the one that Neil Young says he doesn't like, and I think it's his best. Mm. Um, I had it, bought it when it came out. I was a huge Buffalo Springfield fan in 69. And um, I bought this record, which has got a big picture of him on the front. and It's very orchestral. It's got Jack Nietzsche over half of it. And it's just the most fantastic psychedelic pop record with Neil Young. Yeah. And The Loner is probably one of his best tracks ever. Okay. Well, let's it's listen. just fantastic. Let's listen to The Loner then.
an amazing track from an amazing man, Neil Young. And, you know, he's a feeling arranger. There's, there's so many good lines in that song. And the whole LP is great. The actual LP that I am cr- holding in my hand, again, another 12-inch, is Zuma, which actually is a pretty good record as well, um, which was from 75, I think. Yes. And um, it's with Crazy Horse, so it's uh, it's pretty rocking. Um, yeah, I find Neil fascinating. Um, I tune in and tune out like I do with like I do with Dylan, but he's one of the very few artists, sixties artists that I still keep up with, mm. and buy new records by as opposed to buy old records by. And I loved Psychedelic Pill because mm, because yeah. I like Neil Young when he's being goofy, yeah, and throwaway. And you know, I love it when you sing, don't want no MP3s. And it's just really funny. Um, and I like it when you speak like that. Yeah. And I think with a lot of artists, I like it with major artists. I almost like it when they're being throwaway as opposed to making a major statement. Being serious, yeah. I like Neil Young because he did that um, anti-war album and he said, you know, he's waiting for all the young bands to do an anti-war album and none of them did one. Yeah. So he did one. It wasn't a great album, but I just love the way he sort of thought, well, come on, you know, somebody's got to stand up against this. And it was him. He's, he's a fascinating character in the same mm. way that Dylan is a fascinating character. I don't want to listen to every Dylan record, no. but... Dylan is still completely fascinating. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. You know, I, I love the way that Dylan rocks the Zorro look, and um, <laughs> you know, he, he's he's never anything less than interesting. So, and and I think it's good to support you know the old geezers as well because basically I like buying modern music. Yeah. Um, but um, so that's Neil. Yeah. And this is actually Zuma's pretty groovy record as well. Yeah. As is tonight's the night. Yeah. And as is my what's my other favourite on the beach on the beach yeah which was so, which was unavailable for so long wasn't it because he didn't want it out there because of the what was the song the on revolution there? blues exactly, yeah. dune buggies yes Charles Manson yeah um, <coughs> well there we are and he was a big part of the seventies yes exactly and still a big part today yeah right next up Ramones just one of my favourite albums ever um, for all the obvious reasons really this was. This was the record that made it clear that something was going to happen in 76. Because yeah. like a lot of pop fans, I was waiting for something because, um, you know, the 60s revolution had gone. Uh, you were getting terrible, you know, the, hippie, the it was 10 years on from the start of, the, of um, you know, the hippie generation. Mm-hmm. And that generation were making terrible records. Yeah. You know, listen to a Steve Stills records from 1976. You don't want to do it again. No. <laughs> Um, and um, so that generation gone glam rock which is great fun had been and gone yeah Um, and if you I didn't realise at the time I I discovered later that there was loads of wonderful black American music being made but I wasn't exposed to that Um, and um, so Dr. Feelgood Patti Smith and then the Ramones in April 76 and this was the one that really did it and I think really helped um, punk rock get going in London. Yeah. Um, and, and in the provinces, I can tell you. And in the, it's just a fantastic record. It's just yeah. one of my favourite records ever, actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, I played it obsessively. It was released, reissued recently on in mono. Yeah. Because, of course, the stereo separation was famously like the Beatles in the early 60s with everything in one channel and the voice in the other. And I had a friend who played it obsessively on one at the time on and he only had one speaker working. <laughs> and so when he heard it on the proper system, he couldn't believe it. Um, but anyway, so, um, 
Yeah, it's just it was, and the thing, the funny thing about this record now is that it sounds so tame. Mm. But at the time, it just sounded like the most brutal thing you'd ever heard, and the yeah. fastest thing you've ever yeah. heard. And so, time does really. In in fact, this record won. It um, even though all of the group are actually dead, but it won. It totally yeah. won, and it wasn't particularly successful at the time. No, um, all the group are dead. None of the original Sex Pistols are dead. Go oh, figure. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'd never thought of it like that. Yeah, I'm afraid so, poor things. So which track are you going to choose from? Oh, I don't want to go down to the basement. Fantastic. (laughs) What a great track. This reminds me of a story from the punk rock wars. Um, we were playing the Ramones in the car, went to see Jonathan Richmond. I was in a car with Joe Strummer and Patty Paladin. It's one of the only times, ever, only times I ever hung out with Joe Strummer. And we all went to see Jonathan Richmond. And outside, and he was doing his oh, oh, ice cream van stuff. Yeah. It was a bit kind of very, very innocent and naive and slightly irritating. And then we went outside and there were literally, it was in Hammersmith Odeon, massed ranks of teddy boys. Oh, blimey. Waiting to pick on the punks as they emerged. And I remember 
we got in the getting in the car there was a huge fight um we just got into the car the people in the car next to us who were in the rich kids got battered we oh, drove God. off went down you know the gyratory system yeah. at hammersmith yeah. literally i've never seen anything like that. there were teddy boys were five deep behind the crash barriers Blimey. and down the middle of the road was um running paul cook stop the car <laughs> in the middle of the road <clears throat> get in <laughs> yeah. roar off playing was the first ramones album fantastic happy days <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, no, it's a funny time, isn't it, really? So that's a that's a punk rock memory for you. Um, but yes, what a record, and it's still available, and it looks fantastic on vinyl. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much. So the next one is Trans Europe Express with a spiffing new cover, and yeah. this, along with um, I Feel Love and Bowie Nino, was the Electronic Future. And in a way, it's the start of the music that I still really like, which is electronic music, because it still sounds new. Mm. I have a problem with a lot of rock music, um, per se, because it just sounds old and boring. Um, and I just, I heard it first time, so I don't want to hear it now. So I, I, if I want something new, I will go for um, electronic music most of the time. And that means a bit of grime as well, or whatever, um, just to keep things interesting, really. Um, and this record was particularly the second side of uh, Trans Europe Express and Metal on Metal and Franz Schubert, which is the most yeah. beautiful melody, um, and Endless Endless. It's just the most amazing record um, and still sounds really good today. And this is a very nice new reissue, reissue actually. They remastered it, didn't they? Did they? Oh, okay. Yes, this is a remastered edition, and I think they they kind of played with history a bit, and it sounds so much better now Does it? than the original, yes. Does it? I, I think, think I might have to take this one now, thanks. <laughs> it, it's called shoplifting, by the way, punters, <laughs> and we're not allowed to shoplift. I thought this was going to be like supermarket sweep. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but I went to see them when they did those shows at the um, Tate Modern. I went to yes. see them do Trans Europe Express. Was it great? Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Except they didn't do it quite in the right order, which okay. is slightly disappointing. But it was a fantastic show, yeah. I interviewed Ralph Hatter once, and he said the whole point about Kraftwerk is that they had something which we didn't have and which Punk tried to create, which is a blank slate, a year zero. Yeah. And in many ways, as we're now seeing with Brexit, it would be much better for Britain if we'd had the German experience and had to start again from scratch. Yeah. Because so much of what is going on is about our, our inability to do that. And Punk Rock was an attempt with the kind of year yeah. zero to just reset, mm. yeah. you know, reset the computer and, yeah. and wipe everything and start again. But in Germany, of course, they had no choice. Yeah, they had to. They had to. Yeah. And in a way, that huge amount of creativity, which is still being explored, what, you know, in, in all those reissues of, mm. of Neu, yeah. um, and all the German music from that period, which is sort of incredible. You look at the footage of... German music from 69, 17, it's completely wild. Mm. It's really wild. Um, and it's fantastic. And I still listen to a lot of German music um, on the compact label, yeah, which is something very different, but it's a kind of, Euro, you know, proper European melodic romanticism and, and minimalism, which is just my kind of music, really. Yeah. It's funny how it's sort of carried on, hasn't it, that whole electronic music from... The Ruhr, I suppose it is, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'd like to be, I want to be European, thanks very much. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we are European, though. We are European, <laughs> but people are trying to drag us back. 
Yeah. I can't stand it. Anyway, this is fantastic. I'm actually yeah. going to buy this. Okay. Um, and which track are we going to play? We are going to play Franz Schubert because I love that melody. Yeah. And again, it's that start of what I, you know, the modern kind of, it's one start of modern kind of German electronic music, which is this, you know, romanticism, a melody, which I really like. Yeah, and I guess this album is kind of transitional, isn't it, from the more, um, lo the longer tracks on, what was the one before? Autobahn. Exactly, and then the one after it, Man Machine. It's yeah, kind of it's slightly in between them. And radioactivity was very, quite, kind of quite abstract. Yes. Um, um, which is actually the one before, um, yeah. now I think about it. But this was them starting to go pop mainstream. Right? And of yeah. course, um, Trans-Europe Express was a big hip-hop record. Of course it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, didn't it start a lot of that ele ele electro yeah. stuff in because Detroit, I think? There was a 12-inch of... <clears throat> they released, I mean, because um, it was in the disco, it was released as a disco 12-inch. And I remember Vince Saletti, who was a disco doyen, writing about it and saying this is a sort of extraordinary record because in New York disco world... Um, there was a lot of European stuff being included in that. And this, of course, was the electronic version, as I said, came after, just after I Feel Love. Yeah. And so you had that revolution yeah. Yeah. in electronica and the fusion of kind of... Um, which is actually the most incredible story of, of how Africa by Ambata took from craft work and created hip-hop. Mm. Who could have thought that that would happen? Yeah, I know. Incredible. It's the most, probably the most incredible story of the 20th century. Yeah. As far as music is concerned. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. It is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And it's a source of great wonder. So this is a pretty important record, yeah. actually.
okay. having that one. Don't worry, I'm going to go to the till night. Yeah. Um, okay, so finally? Finally, um, I just chose this because I really like it. I actually wanted to mention Gas um, by, is it Wolfgang Voigt? Yes. It is Wolfgang Voigt. Uh, Yes, because there are the two voids. Yeah, no, it's Reinhard Voigt and Wolfgang. It is Wolfgang. I think it's Wolfgang. Yes. Um, Anyway, I wanted to have that because I I just think that's wonderful. And again, it's it's a very strange mixture of hard techno beat. It's got the do 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 beat, and yet it's very ambient. Fantastic driving music. You know, I like I like a lot of music that you know you can. I like music you can tune in and tune out, tune out of, which is the original. Brian Eno ambient idea. Yeah. When you focus on it, it's great, but you can have it on in the background because yeah. I work to a lot of this stuff, yeah. basically. And you don't want to work to vocals. No. Um, so, because um, I couldn't find gas because you sold out the limited edition box. I can get you one, though. No, no, I've got one already. <laughs> um, <laughs> I chose Reflection by Brian Eno, which I've also, I, I have actually bought and I think it's terrific. Yeah. And I really like it. It's a very, very nice vinyl edition, but it's also great on CD. And, you know, Eno's another one of those artists who's very good to keep up with because he's always doing something interesting. You don't want to buy every record. But, or, you know, you can tune in and tune out of over the years, but you can always rely on him to do something interesting. And I was a huge fan of um, his, I mean, what was the big one for me? Uh, Another Green World. Yeah. That's what I was playing, bashing in 76, just before yeah. punk. And I loved his music for films. Yeah. Um, um, they, here come the come. warm jets. I mean, I've Yeah. I, in fact, I saw Eno play, I remember now, with the Winkies. Winkies, yeah, I saw them as well. Would that be 73? <clears throat> uh, must have been round about then. I think I saw them play with Bill Nelson, I think. No, I saw them, definitely saw it. It must have been 73 they yeah. played Cambridge. And uh, we were all fearfully impressed. Mm. I think Lou Reed had just played few months before and definitely it was sort of in that bag it was yeah. something a bit more energetic and interesting and weird yeah and glamorous yeah which of course is what you want for what i want <laughs> from pop music not ed sheeran do you sell ed sheeran here <laughs> uh yes we do good, As, good. No, like you I'm, said, I'm, like I'm, you I'm, said I'm, before there's no right or wrong um yeah but, but, he, yeah, but he's wrong <laughs> <laughs> but i think funny enough i thought i I'm not a huge fan of his music, but I think it's quite interesting how he's done everything. You know, when he first started, he was doing it all himself, all his EPs from home with his mum doing it all. And it's amazing. He's, you know, just done it, you know, step by step. Nigel, I'm very impressed by your reasonableness. And I think it's very good that you, (laughs) as in the shop, are selling Ed Sheeran. You're not being snobby about it. But I think it's absolutely dreadful. God. Yeah, but he's done stuff with Stormzy and people like that, hasn't he? I mean, you know, I think he's done some uh, interesting... It's funny you should bring it up, actually, because I ordered some for the shop, <laughs> and everybody said, you've ordered too many, and I did notice yesterday we'd sold out. And they, well, did, say, they did say, oh, we sold out of Ed Sheeran, so you were right after all. Yes? Well, <laughs> no, I'm impressed, but you're not gonna yeah. make, I'm not going to give ground on this. Uh, no, right. no, me neither, but then, you know... But I think, I, think, you know, I think we're looking at it from different, different perspectives. Yes. And I love a good pop bitch anyway. <laughs> Yes. I love selling records. Yeah, well, there you are then. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eno, he's done... Which is there a track particularly? Just put on. It's, um, it's, it's, it's just kind of endless. So put on yes, however exactly, many yes. minutes you want of it. Yeah, okay. It says reflection one, two, three, four, but it's yeah. actually all one track. Yes. So. so we'll just play some of that for you. Play some of that. Okay. Yeah, that'll calm everybody down. <laughs> After Ed Sheeran.
Well, I hope you're not going to play Ed Sheeran during this podcast. No, that's your f- <laughs> final choice, I think, yes? No, 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 no. <laughs> Nor Engelbert either. No. Okay, well, that is amazing. Thank you so much, John, for uh, coming in today and picking your records. That's fantastic. Pleasure. And, um, yeah, that's it. We'll be um, selling lots of your 1967 CD. No book to go with it this time, though. No, well, I'd had to turn it around within six months. That's not going to happen, is it? No, and I'm not like a lot of pop writers who can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, nice. Thank you, John. That's fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) I'm such a bitch. I can't help it.
Rough Trade Radio. Gold Frap, Silver Eye. Available in store and online at roughtrade.com. Yeah, 